Well, I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever been on the run. Have, have you ever been on the run? And I'm not talking about Thursday night, how Jonathan Taylor was on the run for a 78-yard touchdown. I mean, that's a good kind of run, <laughs> if you're a Colts fan, not a Jets fan. But uh, on the run means that you are getting away from a hostile situation or, or some kind of situation you're trying to get away from. And this is the story that we're going to be picking up today in Genesis 28, finding out about the God who stays, even though Jacob is on the run. And so we're going to find out what's happening with why he's on the run and about the God that meets him on the run. And so um, today we are in a series called The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we're not focusing, and not, we're not really looking about these, these individuals. We're focusing on God. The same God that was faithful to them is also the same God that's faithful to us today. And not just today, but forever. And, and so, as we've been looking at this series, we started out looking at Abraham and how God called Abraham out from a place, from his protection of his family. And he called. And so God, in, in Genesis 12, we saw that the God who calls is the God who blesses. And, he, and we're, he continues to bless this family of Abraham's family. And then we saw in, in Genesis 17 and, and also in 21 that the God who makes promises is faithful to keep his promises. And then later in Genesis 22, we, we saw that the God who tests is the same God that provides. So even though he tested Abraham, said, well, go sacrifice Isaac, your, your one and only son, he still provided a way for, that he, he, he saw that Abraham was obeying. And so he, he gave what was needed, the, the sacrificial lamb, but also not just right then the lamb. He also provides the lamb of God to take away the sins of the world for us. So those who choose to believe in Jesus. And then after Genesis 22, uh, Tyler Hartford was here and he was looking at Genesis 24 about the God who provides, providing a wife for Isaac. And then, uh, then we saw last week in Genesis 25 that, that God amazes. The God who amazes brings life into what was lifeless. The God who amazes knows the details of all of our struggles and the God who provides I'm sorry, and the God who amazes also disrupts our expectations. And so we said the main idea last week was that the God who amazes acts beyond what is expected. So God doesn't just care, he does care, but his, what he wants is greater than what we expect. And he acts beyond what we think that God should be like. He does it his way and his timing. And so that brings us, and that was, that was looking at the story of, of Isaac and Rebekah having kids. They had these two boys, uh, twin boys. Uh, Esau was the oldest, and Jacob was the youngest. And so we saw that in, in this passage last week, we were looking at how, how God told Rebekah that he was going to, that the younger one was going to be greater and the older one was going to serve the younger one. And that just kind of blows everybody's expectations, blows everybody's mind. Why would they do that? Why would God do that? He doesn't say why. <laughs> and a lot of times he doesn't say why. He just says how it is. And, and so, we're gonna, so we're looking at this, 
this story. So what we kind of just went through really quick last week is that then Jacob, he, so his mom knows that he's supposed to have the birthright. His mom knows that he's supposed to be the one that's blessed. He's supposed to be the one that's greater. And so when it came time and Isaac was on his, pretty much his deathbed, Rebecca goes to, Rebecca finds out that Isaac is about to bless Esau. And so Esau's sent into the field to go find some, uh, some wild game and bring it back, prepare it, and have a nice meal with his dad and receive this blessing. But Rebecca and Jacob act quickly. And they deceive Isaac so that Isaac blesses Jacob and not Esau. And so as you can imagine, if you stole something from your brother, that like in the little video we showed last week for the kids, it's like equivalent to like a million dollars. If you stole a huge thing from your brother, he's going to be mad. <laughs> you know? If you, stole, if you stole something of value from anybody, they're going to be mad. And so Esau is so upset that he wants to kill his brother. Okay, that would not be the first time in, in the history of the Bible that a brother kills another brother. We saw that right away with Adam's kids, Adam and Eve's kids, Cain and Abel. But, but Esau is so upset. And so Rebecca gets, and even Isaac at this point, they, they send their son away because they don't want him to die. Because they can't stop Esau. And so they send him away. They said, go back to, to the place of, Rebecca saying, go back to my place. Go back where I'm from. And so now we, we pick this up in Genesis 28, and we're going to see how Jacob is on the run. Okay, so I encourage you to open your Bibles to, to Genesis 28. If you have a Bible app, we're going to be starting in verse 10. So Genesis 28. And so it says here that Jacob left Beersheba, and he set out for Haran. Okay, Haran was the place where his mom was from. Okay, and when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. And taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. And in when he was sleeping, verse 12, it says, he had a dream. And in the dream, he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching the heaven and its angels of God were descending, or ascending and descending on it. In verse 13, there above this stairway stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Okay, so let's look at this. So we have Jacob. He's on the run. He knows about his father's blessing, of course, because he received it. He knows about his father's faith. But we don't know at this point what he knows about God. Okay? We don't know if he trusts God, and we're actually about to find out. It doesn't look like he has trusted God yet. 
And, and so he's, he is in this place where, you know, he stops for the night because he just, you know, he, it's, I guess it's dangerous to be traveling at night. I mean, he's not really protected in any way. I mean, he's using a stone for a pillow. I mean, how many stones can be that comfortable for a pillow? I, this is the stone that's in my office, and it's smooth a little bit, but I just can't imagine using this as a pillow even for one night. I don't know. Anybody want to try it? <laughs> All right, David, come try it. Okay. Not that bad. Not that bad. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe Jacob was young. <laughs> maybe, maybe he was a 10. I mean, he wasn't 10, but yeah. It's not that bad, but I think the older people, including me, I'll put that my, myself in there, I would not enjoy that. So there, he's, he's not, probably not very comfortable, but maybe that represents how his life is. He's not really that comfortable. He's on the run. And there, he encounters God. So the first thing we see here is that, that he has this vision or this dream. And this dream is, is I mean, look in your, the front of your bulletin today. If you actually want to find um, see some, some interesting pictures, just Google Jacob's Ladder. Uh, maybe not right this second. Uh, Jacob's Ladder, Jacob's Stairway, or this verse. And you'll see some interesting ones. I mean, with all kinds of ways that angels look and, or don't look. Uh, but this one, Angie chose it because they didn't have angels on it because that's, all the other ones were pretty strange looking. And what? And creepy. <laughs> all right. So, but so imagine he's there. There's this stairway or this ladder, this, this way of, of having from the earth to heaven connected. So God is, is, is clearly wanting Jacob to see this connection between heaven and earth, a place where God dwells in heaven, but also he wants to dwell with us, right? Because God dwells with us through his Holy Spirit. When we've chosen to to trust our lives with Jesus and in Jesus, then we have, you know, when we're little, we say Jesus is in our hearts. Well, no, because he dwells with us. He dwells, and, and so there's this picture of heaven and earth and this connection that Jacob is seeing, uh, these angels going back and forth. And, and so God is dwelling in heaven, but he also wants his spirit dwells within each of us. And, and the first thing after he sees this that he's he's finding out about God is, is he hears it, that God says, "I am." And we hear that a lot. "I am." That, that's not just random, but God God says in, to Moses, "I am." What, what should I be called? "I am." Right. So he says, "I am the Lord. I am God. I am the only God. I am." The Lord, and I'm the God of your father, which really it's his grand, grandpa, Grandpa Abraham, and his father Isaac. So here he's seeing, he's hearing about God. He's hearing from God himself, and he's hearing that God is a God that is, in our first point today, he's a God that stays, and he declares who he is to his people. He declares 
to Jacob, even though Jacob didn't know much about God other than from what he heard about his, his grandpa and what he heard from his dad, but God speaks to him. And God speaks to him and says, I am the only God. I am the God that your father and grandfather trusted, but it's not good enough just for your grandpa and your dad to trust in me. I want you to trust in me. I want you to be mine. I want you to be all, all about me. Not just on the run, going play, not just doing what you think is best, but I want you because you are going to be great in my eyes. And you are. But God, God isn't, God meets us where we are. And so he declares who he is. He says, I am. And I am the God that I want you to be. I want you to worship me. I want you, not just your dad and your grandpa. And, and I think that's so important for all of us. It's not just that our parents and our grandparents or our inheritance has told us about God and uh, now we come to church and now we, or, or maybe, maybe your family is, has not been with God. But whatever the case is, God wants a relationship with each of us. Not just with your family. He wants, and he's offering to have a relationship with us. He wants each of us to experience him. And so he declares who he is. Now I said to his people, because we're going to find out later that the people of Israel, the people of Israel, do you know where Israel comes from? The name Israel? Yeah, Jacob's name becomes later Israel. So so his people, God's people are actually, he's like, we're going to look at that next time. But but Israel, Jacob becomes Israel. So God's declaring to his, the leader of the Israelites, Jacob, who becomes Israel, that he is their God. And it's not good enough just to be a, a, a son or a grandson of, of someone that trusts God. But we need to trust God ourselves. And so that's in, in the first part here. And then, and then he goes on talking in, in, verse, um, in verse 13 and then 14 about what's this promise. He, he says in the end of verse 13, not just some I am your God, but he says, I'm going to give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. So I'm giving this to you. Well, that's nice, <laughs> uh, but that's the same promise that he's that Isaac and Jacob or Isaac and and, and uh, Abraham have, have gotten that they're going to have this land. And and actually, I should even pause there and go earlier when he talks when God talks to Isaac a few chapters earlier, he says he gives him in Genesis twenty six God appeared to Isaac. Now God is appearing to Jacob in a dream, but when God appeared to Isaac, he says, he says to live in this land, and I'm a, he doesn't want him to go on down to Egypt, but he says, stay in this land for a while, and I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to bless you, and I'll make your, your descendants, and I will make you and your descendants, and I will give you these lands and confirm the oath that I swore to your father Abraham. And I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I'll give them all the lands, these lands, through your offsprings, and all nations on the earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed me and did everything 
I required of him, keeping my commands, my decrees, and my instructions. And that, that's in Genesis 26. So he's telling this to Isaac, but then when he t- talks to Jacob here in, verse, in chapter 28, he, he's not giving all the same details here. But he, he, is, he didn't need to declare to, to Isaac who he was. Because Isaac was there, he saw God. He experienced God on that mountain where he was supposed to be the sacrifice. Isaac had an experience with God even from an early age, and so he saw his, his dad trusting fully in God. And he saw how God provided fully for them and that he wasn't slain. And so I think Isaac had that understanding and experience of who God is, but now Jacob, he, he hasn't. He hasn't seen that, that who God is. He just has heard about God. And, and, and so then God is telling him who he is, and he wants to bless him. So back in, the, in this verse in, in, in 13, that I will give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. And then it says in verse 14, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and will spread out from west and to the east and to the north and the south. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and through your offspring. All right. So, so not just the stars in the sky, but all like the dust on the earth. Like he's just giving all these pictures of like, your descendants are going to be so great they can't be numbered. You are going to have so many people come after you. You are going to be richly blessed and remembered and you're going to have this inheritance. But he says, I'm going to not just give you descendants, but I'm going to give you this land, a place for them to flourish, a place for them to thrive, a place for them to be a nation, to be a people that they can be set aside to worship the one and only God. And so here we can see in this verse that the God who stays blesses his people to be witnesses. And we've seen this through Abraham. That's our second point today. God blesses his people to be witnesses. So he pours out all this blessing to the people. He gives them, and right now it's just Jacob, but he's saying, I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give you this inheritance. I'm giving you so much so that people can see, wow, who is this nation? They don't even have a king. They don't even have normal things. They are so different, but yet they are blessed. And they're not killing each other. And they're, they're living in harmony. And they're living in a way that is just so different. And he wants the nation of Israel to be set apart and holy and that people would see the nation of Israel and say, I want to be like them. What is, what is it that they're doing? What's so different about what they do that's so good? And people come and ask them, what is, how can I be part of this? And they point to God. God is the reason. The reason we're happy. The reason we're, we're blessed. The reason that we have joy. The reason all this, we keep pointing to God. That should be us too. People should be asking us, why are you happy? Why, when someone dies, do you have joy? Of course we grieve. But why, why do you have hope? When all this, there's fear all around us, why aren't we giving in to fear? Why do you still care about, about all this other stuff? Why are you have faith? People should be asking us, why are you different? And, and that should be a compliment. I know that seems like a, could be an, 
It could be a... Um, what's the opposite of a compliment? <laughs> insult. Thank you, Amy. Uh, yeah, it could be an insult. Why are you different? I mean, in high school, you never want to be the different kid. Right? You don't, you don't want to be different. But we are to be different. Because we receive God's blessing and we pass it on to others. We let people see who God is and we witness to Him. And that's what God is calling to Abraham. And He says this now to Jacob. That you are going to be blessed. And you are going to be great. But it's not so that you can be great. And it's not because you deserve to be blessed. It's not because you're this great guy. That really did everything. I mean, he does say to Isaac, he said, your, your dad Abraham obeyed. Your dad Abraham trusted me. But down to Jacob, he just says, you're going to be blessed. But remember, when you're blessed, it's not just for you to hold on. You're like, yes, I'm blessed. I have everything. I'm so happy because I have this stuff. Are we happy because we have stuff? Sometimes, for a little bit. <laughs> right? We get the new thing, the new phone, the new technology, the new car, whatever it is, the new truck if you're into that. You know, you know, whatever it is, the new thing. Oh, yes, so great, so nice. Yeah, don't elbow your spouse, but we all have things that make us excited. And that's okay, we can get excited. But it's not just about hanging on to the stuff, the newest thing. No, it's not the, and it's not about that at all. God gives us His blessing. God gives us wealth, protection. He gives us what we need so that we can show other people how good He is. Not so we can hold on to it. He wants us to share it and be witnesses for Him. And, and that people would come to know Jesus because of us. Because of the blessing that God gives and we get keep sharing it. We keep passing on. We keep giving God credit. You know, Jesus said it in Matthew 5.16. He says that, that the people that... Sorry, I'll just read it. I'm kind of blanking. But he, he says in Matthew 5.16, when we're talking about salt and light, right after that, he says... How we're going to be different. How we're going to be salt and light. And he says, so after talking about how you're going to be different, you're going to be the light of the world, you're going to, you're going to uh, do, so, yeah, you're going to be a light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be, cannot be hidden. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others people that they may see your good works, your good deeds, and glorify your Father in heaven. So God is going to bless so that we can be witnesses. We're gonna, he's going to bless so that we can keep saying, it's God, it's God, it's Jesus. We keep pointing people to Jesus so that when people see, wow, why, are you have hope? why do you have hope? Why are you happy? Why are you so generous? Why do you care about a church? Or why do you, why do you, all these things. People, people can see the good things we do, not for us, but that they would glorify God in heaven. We can be witnesses 
about how great God is by the way that we're generous. And so Jacob, Jacob is here in this verse, and he's finding out about who God is. And he's finding out how God wants to bless him like, like he's given the, the promises to bless his dad and his grandpa. And so then in verse 15 it says that God says, I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land and I will not leave until I have done what I have promised you. So there's this key part here. God says, I am the God. I am the God of your, your grandpa and, and of your dad. I am going to bless you so you can be a blessing to others. And I am far away from you. No. Sometimes we act like that. We say, oh, God, God, we, God wants us to experience him for a little bit and then he's far away. No, he says, I am with you and I will watch over you and bring you and bring you back to this land now this is Jacob's promise from God this isn't a promise that is to all of us that God is always going to watch over us and protect us and we're never going to die no but he's saying he is with us he's with us he's watching over us and he's bringing Jacob and his people back to the promised land Not in the timing maybe Jacob thinks it will be, but the timing that God wants it to be. And God says, I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised you. So I'm I'm your God and I'm with you. Sometimes I think we need to hear that, that God is with us. And that's our third point today, is the God who stays promises his presence always to his people. God is with his people. God wants us to experience him and to know him. And because we know him and we experience him, then the way we live is, is different. And, and this isn't just like on Sundays we live differently. But we, because God's with us throughout the day, throughout each day, throughout the week, our lives should look different. Not because of rules and the things. No, but because we've experienced God. When we experience Jesus, then our lives are going to look like it. And when we experience Jesus just like once in our life ever, our lives are also going to look like that. And so let's, let's be remembering that the God who stays, He promises His presence. Let's be in His Word. Let's be seeking Him in our prayer throughout our day. Let's be memorizing. Let's be meditating His Scripture, His Word. Even if it just means once in a day, you open some Scripture and you you read it and you think about it and you pray about it. And then later, throughout the day, you keep thinking about it. You keep praying about it. You keep asking God to give you His wisdom, His, His presence that, 
that we would understand that He's with us wherever we are. And He's staying with us, even if we're on the run. Jacob was on the run. But God was staying with him. And this passage is interesting because God declares all these things to Jacob. And when Jacob wakes up, it says in verse 16, Jacob, Jacob says, Surely the Lord is in this place. Surely this was God. It wasn't just a dream. It was surely the Lord, Yahweh, the God of my fathers. And he thought, I have must have not been aware. I don't know if I was, if I was actually asleep or if I was actually awake, but this is God and I have not been aware that he's God. He's been with me. His presence has been with me all along. And when he realized this, he was afraid. And he said, how awesome is this place? But when we say awesome, we're not saying it usually in a way of like we're afraid or, or in fear. But he's saying it in a, in a fearful kind of way. He's saying like in the presence of God, I, I've been, I've been in God's presence and, and I can't believe how I didn't die. I can't believe how I was here and I, and I was okay. And so he has this fear. He was afraid. And he's like, how awesome is a place where God was? He dwelt here. And this is, he said, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So he's just saying, this place must be amazing because it's the place where God came. And God dwelt here. The next verse, verse 18 says, so, early, so that's, that's his thought when he's like waking up from his dream, right? So then early the next morning, Jacob took this stone. He took the stone that was his pillow, okay? That made him uncomfortable all night. And he set it up as a pillar. And he poured oil on top of it. He was making it this altar, this place where God had been, where God had met with him. And, and he had called the place Bethel, for it means, Bethel means the house of God. Even though the city used to be called Luz. And then in, in the next verse, verse 20, it says, Then Jacob made a vow, saying, "If Now notice, Notice the word if, okay? And then we'll see the word then in a minute. My programmer's son says, yay, if then. So if God will, God will be with me, so let's just keep saying if, and if God will watch over me on this journey that I'm taking, and if he will give me food to eat, and if he will give me clothes to wear so that I can return safely to my father's household, Notice all that. What it, just a few verses earlier, what did God say he was going to do? He said he was going to be with Jacob. He said he was going to watch over Jacob wherever he goes, and he's going to bring him back to the land. So Jacob then says, okay, well, if God's going to do that, if he's going to 
be with me, and if he's going to watch over me, and if he's going to bring me back to the land, I notice he, he also brings, he says a couple other things. If he gives me food and clothes to wear, Jacob, Jacob wasn't promised that. <laughs> he's just kind of like, okay, well, if God does that, he'll probably do that too. But, I mean, the, the, the food and the clothes, I mean, that's kind of the idea, I guess, of that he's going to bring him back to the land. I mean, if he doesn't have any food, he'll die. So I guess you can, he's going to watch over him that way. But I don't know. He just kind of adds some things to it. Uh, anyway, so then he's saying, if God's going to do all this stuff so I can return to my father's household, then, and my, maybe I could even add then and only then, I don't know, then the Lord Yahweh will be my God. Do we catch that? Do we do that sometimes? We say, okay, God, you promised this and this and this and this. And if you do that, if you are successful, then I'll obey you. Then I'll trust you. Then you can be my God. But you got to do what you said first before I do anything. I think that's like so wrong. God wants us to trust him. God wants Jacob to trust him throughout this journey bringing him back. But no, Jacob's like, uh, if you do all the stuff you said, then I'll, I'll trust you. Okay? He says, then you'll be my God. Then you'll be my Lord. And this stone, he said, that I have set up, this pillar, will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give a tenth. So Jacob is, is saying, if you do this for me, which you said you would, if you really are good enough, God, then I'll, then I'll, give, then I'll worship you, and then I'll, if you, whatever you give me, yeah, I'll give back a tenth, sure. If you give me a lot of stuff, I'll give back ten, I'll give back ten percent. I feel like these, this, our attitude shouldn't be if then right? Our attitude, like he just experienced the living God. He experienced God, even though it was a dream, he, he knew it was God. I mean, he said that. I can't believe it was him. I know he was afraid. But then he says, ah, oh, well, if you do all these things, then I'll, do, then I'll obey you. I don't, God doesn't want us to, if you, that attitude, if you do it, then I'll, then I'll obey he wants us to be obedient to him. And he'll, we'll receive blessing in the midst of that. In, in the meantime, even when it's hard, even if when it doesn't, I mean, Jacob's going to experience some trials. He's in, on the run right now, but he's going to keep finding some trials. He's going to keep having some things. But he's also going to be receiving God's blessing. He's going to see that lots of things are happening good for him. And so this is, I think, our, where we need to be. We, not how Jacob was, but our hearts, if you trust Jesus, if you give your life to him, we should be all about saying, God, I've experienced you. You are my God. You are the God that I can trust. And it's, it's a good thing to set up a pillar or set up some way that you can remember that you've met with God. That's not a bad thing. I mean, not, that's not even physically. It doesn't have to be always a real thing, but a place that you can remember in your house or, your ch- or at church or wherever, where you've ex- experienced God, where you've encountered God. But then 
That's, it's not all about that. And it's not all about just waiting on God's promises. But it's in the midst of that. It's in the meantime, trusting in Him. That God, God is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our trust and we can trust fully in Him. And so, the, and through all that, God is the God who stays. He's the God who doesn't change. He's the God who makes promises and keeps them. And even when we kind of are backwards in our thinking, we say, if, then, no, it should be the other way around. It should be, it should be because I'm trusting you. Because, because you are good, then I am trusting you. Not waiting to see all the promises fulfilled first. And, and so, um, then we've seen that the God who stays is the God who declares who he is to his people. And we see that the God who stays is the God who blesses his people to be witnesses of him. And also the God who stays promises his presence always with him, with his people. So God's with us. He gives us his presence. He says that he wants us to be blessings to others, to let people see our good deeds so they can glorify God. And our main idea today is the God who stays is with us even when we're on the run, even when we don't deserve that God is with us, even when we have the wrong attitude like I think Jacob did here. But God is still with us and he, He's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. He is with us and we can trust Him because He is faithful. We're going to hear in just a moment our response song is called The God Who Stays. And it's by Matthew West. And there's some lyrics in the, in the song that says, You're the God who stays. You're the one who runs in my direction when the whole world walks away. The whole world says, I'm done with you. You're not good enough. You don't deserve anything. And God runs towards us. When we're on the run, you're the God who stands with arms open wide. And you tell me that nothing I ever have done can separate my heart from the God who stays. This picture of the, the prodigal son and that Jesus tells the story of the father whose arms are open wide, waiting for the, him, his son to come back to him. Waiting to embrace his son is our God, the God who stays, the God who is faithful to us, as we've been seeing through this whole series, that God is faithful, not just then, not just now, but forever. God is faithful. So God doesn't change because he is faithful, and we see that today he's the God who stays. Well, let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you are a God who is faithful. You're a God who runs in our direction when the whole world walks away. That you are a God that chooses us. And even when we don't deserve your love, your presence, your blessings, God, that you give us those things anyways. God, I pray that our hearts would not be about just getting stuff and then blessing you. 
Or that, like Jacob, all these things that you, that you have to do before I trust you. But God, that our hearts would be receiving you, experiencing you and your goodness and your faithfulness. And people would see the good in our lives and the good of you. You, you are life-giving and they would turn to you, Jesus. And I pray that we would be giving glory to you. And we pray this in your name. Amen.